last week, we are in our vision series currently, and last week, Mark blessed us with an amazing word about reach far, that we need to position ourselves to take moments and reach those far from Christ for the gospel and for the kingdom of God, and we need to let go of prejudices, we need to let go of preferences, and actually go on mission for Jesus, reaching those far from Christ. But this evening, we're going to be uh, looking at Raise Up, and if you want to know what our vision is, we put it on the wall. We made it simple for people who are hard of sight and hard of uh, memory, myself included. So reach far, raise up, release wide. That is our vision. But it's not only our vision. It's we believe that this is a kingdom vision. And why is vision so important? Why are we preaching this vision series? Because Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this in the Word of God, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. See, why do we need to have a kingdom vision? Because we need to be rooted and anchored in the Word of God so that we aren't unrestrained. And I feel like a lot of us in the past year have felt unrestrained. We felt that we are on uncharted waters. There's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of things that have happened in 2020 and 2021. But we need to be a people who is anchored in the Word of God. So why does Solomon say this? Is that there's a vision not only for you, but also for humanity, that we are going on a mission with Jesus to make disciples and to see people encounter His grace and His goodness. See, not only must we be raised up in Christ like it says on our wall, but we must also raise others up in Christ. See, this thing isn't just for ourselves, our own personal Jesus, but it is a mission and a vision that is for the community, for all of us going on mission with Jesus. So my sermon title this evening is, What is Your Walk? And when I say that, I don't mean what is your swagger. I'm not going to try and do that because it will be more like a limp. But what I want to say is, what is your walk? What is the journey that God is calling you? And you may say, hey, I've been in church for 20 years, Michael. I know what my walk is. But I want to say that Jesus is inviting us to walk afresh tonight, to follow him and to follow his footsteps. And the Bible speaks so much about walking with God. It's from the beginning. In Genesis, God always intended us to walk with him. God intended us to walk with Him. Adam and Eve walked with God, becoming like Him and spending time in His presence. We are supposed to walk with God and walk in His footsteps so that we can be raised up, but also so that we can raise others up and go on mission. See, 1 John 2 verse 5 to 6 says this, By this we know that we are in Him. Whoever claims to abide in Him must walk, must walk as Jesus did. See, we may stumble from time to time, we may get it wrong, but the mandate as believers is to walk in Jesus' footsteps. No matter where you find yourself tonight, maybe 2021 has been a low year, maybe you find yourself in the valley, or maybe it's been a great year and you find yourself on the mountaintops, Jesus is saying, come follow me and walk as I did. More than 2,000 years ago, Jesus got this group of believers, this band of young men together called the disciples, and he said to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, we so often think that you is singular. I am going to go on a mission with Jesus. But actually, that you is plural. He's saying, as a band of believers, we are going to go on mission together so that people can encounter the grace of God. See, we need to be a people that go on mission together. Why? So that people can encounter His goodness. Jesus was on a mission, and He was taking a group of believers to become more like Him, to fashion them, to challenge them, so that they could change, and becoming more like Him, that they would step out in power and authority in His Spirit. 
See, discipleship, we have this uh, saying here from Gabriel Phillips in the life of the church, a radical future demands radical obedience. But what I want to say tonight is discipleship looks like radical change. Jesus took these group of young men who were raw, who were rough, and I promise you, if you had to put Peter in your family, you would be very bashful because he would say some words that would make your grandmother blush. But he took these group of believers and he took them on mission. And by taking them on mission, they became more like him. They had to unlearn things. They had to learn how to step out in authority. They had to learn his voice. They had to learn who he was, that he was the king of kings. And as they went on mission, as they stepped out, signs and wonders came. But that was the product of actually an in-working of becoming more like Christ. So I want to say, can we turn to Matthew 14 tonight. We're going to turn to Matthew 14, verse 25 to 33, and read some scripture. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. So turn to Matthew 14, verse 25. But Father, I pray that we realize your truth. I pray that we realize that you are a good and gracious God, and that we get to walk in your power, we get to walk in your footsteps, and that it's you who empowers us to do that, that we will be raised up and built up in you, not just for ourselves, but that we will go on mission for your gospel, seeing people saved and seeing people set free and encountering your goodness and your grace. Amen. Matthew 14, 25 to 33, it's the story of Peter walking on the water, and it's going to be behind me. You can follow along, and you probably know this. It says this, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So the context behind this miracle is actually there was another miracle just that day. Jesus fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And I can imagine the disciples in that moment would have gone wild. They would have thought this is the greatest trick ever. Come on, Jesus, we are going to be fed for a lifetime. KFC, singer wings for everybody. We're never going to go hungry. We can take this trick on the road. Come on, you are going to be the promised king. Everyone's going to love you. Instagram stories for days. So they must have thought this is the greatest thing. And the crowd also went wild. The crowd thought this was amazing. Why? Because there was finally a king who could satisfy their needs. There was finally a king who would take them out of lack, who would take them out of years of slavery and would take them into the future in fullness and life. That was the king who would take them into the battle and would win every war. They were seeking that king. But what does Jesus do? He flips it on his head. See, we in a series called Flip the Script. Why? Because we want to be a people of faith who turn the world upside down because of who Jesus is. See, so my first question tonight is, what leader are you following? We're all following something, whether it's social media, whether it's our spouse, politics, the economy, we're all following something. But what 
leader are you following? Because the leader that you follow will send you to a destination. And depending on that leader, you may or may not like that outcome of the destination. When I was younger, um, there was this amazing movie that came out, and I'm going to show my age here, but it was Tokyo Drift, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, and it was on my 13th birthday, and I loved it. And what my friends and I would do often is we would go on our bicycles, and we would race the streets of Tableview, taking it by storm. And we would go on our bikes, and we would go down the streets, and there was one street with an island in the middle, and it was quiet, and we could drift on our bicycles, kicking the back wheel out, and go as fast as we could. And I remember this one day, we were going for it. Eh? I was going for it. These skinny little legs were moving, and it was amazing. And I was following this guy named Aaron in front of me, my friend, and we were racing for the finish line. We were racing to get there, and we, f we just felt great. Um, but what happened is we were almost at the finish line. And what did I do? I took my eyes off my leader for a second and I looked behind me at the other guys and bang, crashed into Aaron, went over my handlebars. There were a couple of tears. There was a little bit of blood. I won't go into the gory details, but I crashed. Why? Because I took my eyes off my leader. See, so often when we get into sticky situations or when we are in a sticky situation already and we take our eyes off our leader, off our king, it isn't going to lead into life and fullness. It's actually just going to lead into destruction. Why does Jesus teach about this miracle about walking on water right after he fed 5,000 people? It's because he was taking the disciples on a journey. He was taking the disciples and teaching them about who he is. It says this in John 6, 20, uh, 32 to 33. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. See, the ultimate point of that miracle of the 5,000 was to point the disciples and everybody else to the bread that not only satisfies their needs, but who satisfies their souls. He is the bread of life. He's not going to satisfy your needs. He's going to satisfy your soul. See, how often do we look to Jesus for our, to fix our feelings, to give us things, to satisfy our needs, to change our circumstances? How often do we use Him as a slot machine just for what we need on that day? But Jesus is teaching us that he's actually so much greater. He is a king like no other, and he is the bread of life. He will sustain you for your journey. He will sustain you for your walk, no matter what your circumstances. Going back to the story of Peter on the boat, and I can imagine Peter now, he's this rough fisherman. He knows the water well here. He's been in this boat a few times in his life, and he's with his disciples, with other fishermen, and he's sitting there, and he is chilled. He knows this boat well, but then all of a sudden, he sees this figure walking on the water. See, Peter wasn't afraid when the winds and the waves were buffeting the boat. He wasn't afraid when the environment wasn't favorable. He was afraid when he saw something unknown. He was afraid when he saw something that he had not encountered before. And how much is that like 2020? We were set into the unknown. The world changed in an instant, and security and comfort was ripped out of us. But Peter is showing us something here that we need to be like him, be like the disciples, and go on a journey of becoming like Jesus. See, Peter wasn't afraid because he knew the voice of his Savior. What did Peter do? He called out to Jesus, and Jesus responded, and he knew the voice of his Savior. While the other disciples were silent, 
Peter called out to Jesus. I always read the story and thought that Peter was the one of the littlest faith, that actually the disciples were okay, but Peter lacked faith. But actually he showed the most radical faith. Why? Because he called out to the king first. Will you call out to your king in uncharted waters? Will you call out to your king? Will we be a people who seek Jesus, who seek his voice to lead us? Not to be led by our own ability, not to be led by our circumstances, not to be led by our feelings, but that we will be led by the voice of Jesus. Did Peter understand everything in that moment? Definitely not. Did he doubt? 100% yes. But I can believe that he went on a journey of learning who Jesus was and in that process began to trust him and began to become like him. So maybe you are finding yourself in uncharted waters tonight. Maybe 2021 hasn't started off like you thought it would. Maybe you thought 2020, okay, I'm going to put that behind me. 2021 is going to be a new year, but actually it's not. Maybe your marriage is in uncharted waters and you're clinging to your boat for dear life. You just need to get by. Your comfort, your security, your identity is found in this boat and you just need to get by and you're just going to stay in there and the wind and the waves will pummel it, but you're just hoping to get by. What can we learn for Peter in this moment is point one, follow your leader, but point two, take a step. See, the boat that Peter and the disciples were in was their most comfortable place. They knew this boat really well. They had grown up on these seas. They had grown up on these waters, and they knew it well. They weren't in uncharted waters. We all have a boat. We all have something where we find our identity in, where we find our security in. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your singleness or whatever it may be. It may even be a temptation or a sin that you are hiding from everyone else where you go to when you're feeling low, when you go to when you need comfort, when you go to when you need security. We all have a boat. But what is Jesus saying is that we need to take a step out of our boat onto uncharted waters and follow his voice. See, last year, just to be vulnerable, my boat was shaken. 2020 was an unprecedented year, as Mark likes to call it. At one instant, the church closed its doors, and I always found my security, I always found my comfort on a Sunday. I came here, I was with my friends, we would be on a spiritual high, we would have an amazing time, and I would be on a high for God, and I would feel amazing. But then the church closed its doors, and I realized that I was so busy being a full-time pastor that I was actually a part-time Christian. See, I realized that my identity was in a building, that my identity was in a place, and it wasn't in my Savior. See, we need to go on mission of becoming more like Him. Why? So that we can pour out in other people's lives and see them raised up. And you may say, I don't have that faith. I don't have the faith of Peter. I don't have the faith of you standing up here. I don't even read my Bible really. What I want to tell you is when you take a step, Jesus will sustain the walk. It wasn't Peter's faith keeping him up on the water. I want you to know that it wasn't his faith keeping him up on the water. It was only Jesus. See, faith isn't faith in our faith in Jesus. Faith is faith in God's word and that his promise is true, and that Jesus is who he says he is. I read the scripture the other week, and it's completely rocked my thinking about 
Jesus, and it says this in Romans 4, 20 to 21, speaking about Abraham's faith and what it means to be a faithful person. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, listen to that, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he has promised. That word fully persuaded, that phrase in Greek, is better translated as this, bearing the work of God to the fullest extent in our lives. That is to the full capacity of the individual believer who is fully persuaded by him. Why do we need to be fully persuaded by him? So that we can bear God's work, Jesus' work in our lives to the fullest extent. So that when we encounter people, we aren't running on empty. That when we encounter people, we uh, speak from the overflow, the overflow of the Spirit, and that He will continue to fill us as we pour out. See, we are not just a believer to have a personal Jesus, but Jesus is showing us here with the disciples that we are to go on mission with Him, seeing other people saved, seeing other people come to Christ, seeing people set free of addiction, of sin, and other things. And we do that when we go on mission, but we need to be full to pour out. See, we cannot give what we do not have, but we also cannot help give what we do have. I'm going to say that again. We cannot give what we do not have, but we cannot help give what we do have. See, we are not only being called to be raised up, but to raise others up. Part of why community is so important and why we speak about serving so much is that there is growth and there is life in community. We are a a group of believers who are going on mission for God to see people set free and see people encounter Him in fullness. That is why we serve. We don't serve just to get things done on a Sunday, but we serve to grow in our identity in Christ. Part of my job here is I'm the care pastor together with Wayne, and we oversee a bunch of different ministries in the life of the church. But one of those ministries is called Life Changes Recovery, and it's a group of amazing believers who meet on a Monday night, around 50 of them, those struggling with addiction, but also those supporting loved ones who struggle with addiction. And they meet every Monday night, and they want to see addiction, addiction set free in the community of Tableview, in the community of Moulton, and in South Africa. They want to see people set free of addiction. But there's an amazing man, and he's one of my friends, Don Spence, and he's been in this church for over 10 years. And he's been coming for over 10 years to this church, but he was always struggling with addiction. He couldn't shake this thing. He was bound to addiction. No matter who spoke to him, no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't wrestle this thing. But there were men and women who walked with him over the years and supported him and pointed him towards Christ. And even though he didn't experience breakthrough in the beginning, he was pointed towards Christ. And then when Life Changes Recovery started, there were a group of believers who walked alongside of him. When he was weary, they raised his hands up and they pointed him towards Christ. And what now? He is set free from addiction. His marriage is thriving. And he is pouring out in that space every day and every Monday night. And he is walking alongside other believers to be set free from addiction. That is what we do. That is why we are called to go on mission. It's not just to be raised up in Christ for ourselves so that we can feel good on a Sunday. We leave it here on a Sunday and then Monday to Saturday we live our lives. No, we are to pour out in our businesses. We are to pour out in our families. We are to pour out in our schools. Why? Because it is what Jesus did. He poured himself out on the cross and we need to be like him. 
See, the disciples were this amazing group of believers who were raw, who were rough, but who went on a mission of becoming like Christ. So much so that Jesus calls Peter the rock on which he will build his church. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how Peter must have felt in that moment? Can you believe it, guys? I'm the rock. Jesus, gonna, Jesus chose me. Jesus chose me out of everyone. Yes, I must be good. Hey, I'm this fisherman. I'm going to be a rock. What does Jesus say only five verses later? Listen to this. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I can imagine Peter in that moment going, I don't understand what is going on. One minute he's praising me, now he's rebuking me, I'm out. I cannot do this any longer. But what does Peter do? He holds fast because he knows that Jesus will bring to completion in him the promise that he has spoken over his life. See, we may not know the destination, but we just have to trust Jesus for the journey. See, Jesus will sustain your journey when we take a step of faith and walk out in being raised up and raising others up. Why? Because he already walked the journey. And that is point number three this evening. Jesus walked the journey. In those days, the student would follow the rabbi for seven years. And he followed the rabbi. There's a phrase, in the dust of the rabbi, he would walk. And he would walk behind the rabbi and watch how he had walked, watch how he spoke to others, watch how he spoke the scriptures out. And as he walked behind the rabbi, he was caked in the dust. He was caked in the dust of the ground and he would grow thirsty, but he would grow thirsty for the words of the rabbi because he realized there is life. And as he walked behind the rabbi, he became more like him. Over seven years, then he was released to teach others. And we need to walk in Jesus' footsteps. And as we walk, as we grow thirsty, we drink from his word. See, so often we treat the word like a gas station. When we're feeling low, when we're feeling empty, we quickly just need a top up so that we can get to the next point. But actually Jesus is saying, I want to fill you up so you can overflow. And why do we do this? Why can we do this? Because Jesus walked the journey already. He walked the journey towards the cross. It says this in John 19, 17 to 18. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. See, we walk in what Christ has already done. We get to walk as believers when we are weary, when we think that we are lacking faith. We walk in what Christ has already done and accomplished. See, the cross is not just a mere historical event. I need us to get this tonight. It's not just something that happened in history, but it is a way of life. As believers, the cross is a way of life, and we walk in that power and that spirit. Mark 8 verse 34 says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, along with his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. There's another invitation to follow Jesus, to take up our cross. And what is that invitation? In that moment, he is teaching the disciples how to walk in his footsteps. He is teaching the disciples how to walk this journey, how to raise others up. What does it mean to take up our cross? It means to treasure Jesus above everything else. It means to treasure Jesus above your security, above your finances, above your identity, above life itself. 
See, taking up our cross means that Jesus has become more precious to us than approval of man, than our own comfort, than our own financial security, than even our family. Jesus is the most precious thing in our lives. I can imagine Jesus saying at this moment to these disciples, don't look at the regrets behind you. Don't look at the problems around you. Don't look at the sin within you, but look at the Savior before you. See, we get to walk in that power. Why? Because Jesus has already accomplished it. He took his cross and he walked up to the hill so that the light of the world was abandoned to darkness to die. But the amazing thing is that it didn't end there. It didn't just end on a hill with him in a tomb. See, I can imagine that Satan thought that he had won, that God's plan was finished, that God had got it wrong, that the Savior of the world, this promised King, this promised Messiah, he had finally crushed him. He had finally put him into the grave, and God's plan was zilch. God's plan was for naught, and the people would be bound to sin. The people would be bound to death forever, and actually we can't raise others up in Christ because Christ himself is in the ground. But see, Jesus spoke a better word. Jesus knew the destination in eternity. And Jesus was already walking that journey. See, Jesus walked out of the grave so that we too can walk out of our graves and see others walk out of their graves as we go on mission with him as a group of believers, seeing people set free in his name, seeing people encounter his grace and his love. We are a group of believers who walk in that victory already. We are more than conquerors.